You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Built Jesus Tough, Part 11. Enjoy. It's a good day. It's the first day of a brand new week. And um, if you've been in a routine for a while, sometimes you have to stir yourself up so that you'll expect more in the days ahead. You can't exhaust God. It's amazing to me. You think of all the people that have ever lived on planet Earth since Adam. I don't know what the count would be, but it's, it's got to be way up there. And God had a plan and a purpose for each one of them. And God cared for each one of them, numbered the hairs on the head of each one of them. You can't exhaust this limitless God. You can't put a strain on him. You can't tax him too much. I'm amazed at how many times God invites us to come to him and to ask. And religion makes us feel uh, unwarranted or like we're, we're inconveniencing God when we come to him. When it's just the opposite, it puts a smile on his face. Amen. Any dad loves when their children come to him. Just, just an opportunity to be with them is, is, a, is a joy, right? He loves to bless his children even more than we do as earthly parents. And we're in a series right now called Built Jesus Tough. And God has been changing us, hasn't he? The Holy Spirit through the word of God has been transforming us. We're not the same people that we were just a few weeks ago, just last Sunday. And if you'll allow the Holy Spirit, he'll take the the scriptures and the word that's shared with you each Sunday, and he'll just build that into you during the week. And, And Christianity was never a Sunday thing. It's a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 24-7 thing, right? It's a relationship. Can you imagine if marriage was just a Sunday thing? Wouldn't that be weird, right? You're married one day out of the week. Well, our relationship with God is likened unto a marriage, right? We're joined. We're united with him. And it's a 24-7 vibrant relationship. And I just, sometimes I wish I didn't have to sleep because I'm just looking forward to the next day so much. So we're, we're talking about a life built on the promises of God is a life built Jesus tough. And there are only two steps to being Jesus tough. Don't make it difficult. Only two. Number one is making God the Father. You're all in all. And we have a memory scripture for that one. Let's see if we can, we can recite that memory scripture. Philippians 3.10. Maybe Eden will give you a little help. But I won't look. Are you ready? This is step number one. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Don't look. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. That's what we're all about, right? That's what, that's what motivates our thoughts, our words, and our actions, knowing him, right? That's step number one. And step number two is then you begin to build your life on his promises. And as we've looked at the promises of God, we found that God has revealed his heart through his promises. He's revealed his will for us through his promises. And he's revealed that it's his will for us to be whole, spirit soul, and body. God wants you to experience him in your spirit. He wants you to experience the wonders of his person in your soul. 
He wants you to experience the wonders of his person in your body. So we've talked about spirit and soul. We had a memory scripture for soul. Now I told you, if you can recite the memory scripture, you got a prize. I've got a prize with me today. Can anyone recite Philippians 4, 4 and verse 8? You get a prize. It's a good one too. I'll give it to you immediately after you recite it. Anyone do a Philippians 4, 4. And verse 8, Sarah, you were last time. You want to go for it this time? She said, no. Anybody, Philippians 4.4. 4. Danamite. She, she's not allowed. We go over this at home, so she's not allowed. <laughs> Anybody else? So Philippians 4.4, 4. let's say it. That's good. That's good. But let's say it again. We did, that's, that, how about five, verse 8? Can you do verse 8? Let's say verse 4 together. Rejoice in the Lord always. We did the amplified version. Delight, gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say rejoice. What do you think? You want to try verse 8? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, whatever is pure, right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think on these things. Let's say that one together. Good job, Donna. Keep practice next week, and I'll, get that, I'll bring the prize for you, all right? All right. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So that's what we demand of our soul, right? That's the criteria we've set up. That's the fortress we've built around our mind through the Word of God. And we saw that the clearest place in the Bible, so we've gone through spirit, soul, and now we're talking about your body. And this is an important area because the body is where we live. This is our vehicle for getting around and accomplishing God's will while we're here. So it's important. It's not unimportant to God. It's important. He made it, and he wants to preserve it and keep it until he comes, if he so tarries, or until we go to be with him. So your, your body's important, and the clearest place in the Bible to see the will of God concerning your physical body is in the ministry of Jesus. And we see that as written in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Acts. How's the one a day going? Good. We're in Acts. Aren't you loving Acts? Isn't it wonderful? It's the book that's still being written in our lives, right? So we see God's will concerning our bodies in the ministry of Jesus, and we're transformed when we begin to put our faith in Jesus, the same Jesus that's in here. And we exalt him, and we lift up who he is, and it develops in us a confidence in God, a confident understanding of his will for our lives so that we can stand against the enemy when he comes. Hallelujah. So we want to keep it simple because Jesus made it so simple. And in Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11, we won't go there now, but Jesus basically said, if you being, being evil or being earthly parents know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? That's how simple it is. And Satan tries to pull us away from this simplicity that is in Christ, but we're not going to let him do it, Right? So why does Satan try and yank us away from the simplicity of Jesus? Ask and you'll receive, 
right? Your father is good. How much more will he give unto you? Why does he try and yank us away from that? Because we experience the goodness of God and the will of God by faith. It's not automatic. What we believe determines how much of his will we experience. Isn't that amazing? So faith begins where the will of God is known. When you're sure that it's his will, faith comes. When you're not, it's a struggle. And I, I've met so many people over the years that struggled in different areas. And I, we can all relate to that. We've all struggled with different things. But the reason they were struggling is they weren't sure and certain of the will of God. So we're not trying to believe. We're fixing our eyes on him. We're receiving his love for us. When you're sure of his love for you, faith starts to grow. A child is basically unconscious of their faith. Is that right? Unconscious of their faith in their parents? So, for example, if, if Dana came to me and, and said, Dad, can I have a, a turkey sandwich? You know, I said, sure, I'll make you one. I'll make you one of my specials, right? They all know about their daddy's special sandwiches. But um, she wouldn't say to me, Dad, I really believe that you're going to make me that sandwich. I believe it, Dad. I'm trusting in you. I believe you're going to make me that sandwich, Dad. I really. If she said that, I would wonder what was wrong. Right? Like, I thought this was my daughter. I, I thought we, we grew, you know, grew together these nine years. In other words, so when we speak, there's no struggle to believe it because she knows me. If she's asked me for something, I've never given her a stone or a serpent. And the same is true with us, with the Father. Sometimes prayer is a cover-up for unbelief. People will labor in prayer, not because it's the prayer that's working. It's because they're really struggling with what the will of God. We want to know him. When you know him, the faith just begins to grow. Hallelujah. You want to hear something crazy? Put Psalm 7841 up there. So we know God is limitless in power, right? I think every Christian would agree with that. He's limitless in power. He's a universe maker, right? We can't even fathom the depths of this universe, right? More stars than we could ever hope to count. But even though he's limitless in power, he's perfect in love, perfect in faith, we can limit him in our lives, This is speaking of the Israelites in the Old Covenant. And God performed amazing things for them. He rescued them out of hundreds of years of bondage, and they continued to resist him. They refused to believe him. They rejected him. They complained. They, they whined. They, they put their faith in other things. And look, what's he, look what's said here in Psalm 78, 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Was God weak because of what they did? No. He's always perfect in power. So God is not limited as far as he's concerned, but what we believe can block what he wants to do in our lives. It can limit his operation in our lives. Let's look at another scripture. Jesus exampled this very same thing in his ministry. People say Jesus can do anything. Well, as far as he's concerned, yes, he's perfect in power. But when it comes to dealing with man, there are limitations. You think I'm, I'm making it up. Look at Mark chapter 6. Let's go there. 
Jesus, who's God in the flesh, right? The sovereign Lord, he returns to his hometown. And they get offended by him. <laughs> Here's Messiah in the flesh, Jehovah in the flesh, and they turn their noses at him because he didn't fit their picture of a Messiah. And in chapter 6, verse 5, it says, he could not do any miracles there, which would imply that he tried and they didn't work. Jesus. Jesus praying for someone and it not happening. Just reading the Bible. <laughs> Except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Why? They were using their five senses to try and detect the Messiah. They said, we know this guy. He's Joseph's son. We know his brothers and sisters. Who does he think he is? And he's amazed at their lack of faith. So what does he do? What does he do to fix the problem? Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Best way to solve lack of faith. Begin teaching the simplicity that is in Christ. See? So we don't want to block what God wants to do in our lives. We don't want to limit the Holy One of Israel by believing wrong things about him and about ourselves. Psalm 138. Amazing scripture. So God is limitless, and he wants to reveal himself to us. But we have a responsibility to take him at his word and to exalt his word above everything we've ever known. I mean, the word is not this book. This is paper and ink. Jesus is the Word. This is the written Word of God. But if I throw this in the Taunton River, the Word remains the same. This is just a written representation. God's not a book. He's a living, breathing God who made the universe. right? And He expects us to receive Him as such. So when He speaks, it trumps all. It, it takes priority over everything. God has exalted his word. Love this scripture. For you have magnified your word above all your name. You can't get any higher than that. We have now magnified God's word above all in our lives. We can't get enough of it. We love the word of God. I'm scouring the internet for good messages that teach the simplicity of Christ. Can't get enough of it. We've exalted. It's more important to us than food, than natural food. Right? We can't live without it. We can't, we can't know God's will apart from it. We love the Word. We're filling our minds and hearts with it daily. When I say the Word, I'm talking about Jesus, not a system or code of, of doctrine. I'm talking about the promises of God. Okay? He's exalted it above all else, and so do we, because he's our Father. Amen. Hallelujah. So we saw last week that in John chapter 3.16, God revealed his will for the world. He revealed it plain and clear, and it's healing. Remember? Sozo, saved, that everyone would be saved. And Jesus, in John chapter 3, revealed to us how to experience healing. Religion has camouflaged this truth, but it's there. 
And in John chapter 3, verse 14, let's go back there. And then we're going to go deeper. Let's get another look at this. This is Jesus talking, and he's above all, right? When he speaks, it trumps all in our life. It trumps everything we've been through. It trumps everything we feel. It trumps everything people have done to us. We take him at his word. Just as Moses, Jesus said, lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes in him, do you see it's dependent upon what we believe, may have eternal life, may be united with God the Father, may experience the intimacy that God desires. We saw that Jesus was referring to what happened to Israel back in Numbers 21. Let's put verse 9 up there. Numbers 21, 9. And Moses made a serpent of bronze. This is what Jesus was referring to. He said, this is how I must be lifted up. And put it on a pole. And if a serpent had bitten any man, when he looked to the serpent of bronze, attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. Wow. So this is a great scripture that, to give us a picture of what faith is. Faith is this attentive, this expectant and steady absorbing gaze on Jesus. And that's what we cultivate in our lives. He's got our attention 24-7. We're expecting from him 24-7. Just like a child would expect milk from its mom, Right? We're expecting from him. Now, Jesus said, just in the same way that Moses lifted up the serpent, I'm that. I'm that emblem. There are types and shadows of Christ all throughout the Old Testament. And this is a big one right here. Right? This was foreshadowing what Jesus would do for us on the cross. All of us have been bit by the poison of the curse of sin. But Jesus, God raised up Jesus on a cross and he put our sicknesses, our diseases, the curse of sin and everything that goes with it on him. And as we attentively behold him and put our faith in what he's done for us, we receive healing. Now, how do we, how do we gaze on Jesus? He's not on the cross anymore. How do we do that? How do we cultivate this? Because he's not on the cross. He's risen from the dead. We gaze upon him by meditating on what he accomplished on the cross. That's how. That's our gaze. So it's not a gaze with these peepers. It's a gaze in here and here. It's meditating upon the finished work of Christ. Do you know he's finished his work? He accomplished everything that God told him to do. He did it all. It is finished, he said, right? Many Christians don't know that. They're still waiting for him to do more. He's done everything he's going to do. When he comes back, things are going to be very different on the earth. We're in the age of his grace right now. He's finished his work, and he's expecting us to receive it. It's his desire to receive what he's done for us. So we begin to meditate on this. For example, here's, here's Jesus on the cross, Matthew eight seventeen. This is Matthew writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he's quoting Isaiah. And he says this, This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, speaking of Jesus. He took our illnesses. 
I didn't write this. This is the Spirit-inspired Word of God. So I guess if you want to throw stones, you should probably throw them at him, right? He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. What is wrong with Matthew? Where did he get such an idea? The Holy Spirit inspired him to write that. Well, where did that come from? The book of Isaiah. You know, Isaiah is called the fifth gospel sometimes because it's just overflowing with Jesus. There's so much Jesus in Isaiah, it'll transform you. When Isaiah chapter 53, he's referring to verses 4 and 5. Let's look at verse 5. But he, speaking of Jesus, on the pole, right, on the cross, he was wounded for our transgressions. He did it for you, right? He was bruised for our, why else would he be there? He didn't do it for himself. He did it for you. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. I like the way the Amplified says this. The chastisement, the punishment, needful to obtain shalom in the Hebrew, wholeness, well-being, prosperity, healing, for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. That was written about, I don't know, 600 years or so before Jesus. Prophetic, right? Hallelujah. So we meditate on these things. We fix our minds on the finished work of Christ. And with that now we're in the how to receive healing. We got into this last Sunday. We're in the how to mode now. We begin to meditate upon what Jesus did for us. Regardless of what we've been through, regardless of any circumstances that might be facing us, we fix our attention on the finished work of Christ, like the woman in Mark 5. She had that attentive, expectant, steady, absorbing gaze. So we, we make Jesus the captain of our attention. Yes, sir. We make him the captain of our attention. The captain runs the ship, doesn't he? Right? So this ship in here and this ship here, Jesus is running. Right? Everything must submit to the finished work of Christ. And this ship here, got to submit. Jesus becomes the captain of our attention. In our thought life, he determines where we live, how we spend our time and our resources, who we're in relationship with, right? He's the captain of our attention. It goes back to our goal, to know him, right? When you begin to let the Holy Spirit lead you, things will change in your life. The Holy Spirit will never, ever, impart anything to you that is contrary to the ministry of Jesus. Never. Never. He will never say anything to you contrary to the person and ministry of Jesus Christ because they're one and the same. We have one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God and the Holy Spirit. They've never got into an argument. They've never disagreed about anything at any point in time. They're not a committee. They're one God. Perfect unity. 
And I say that because I've heard people over the years ministering to them, they'll say, well, I feel the Spirit of God said this to me. And it contradicts the ministry of Christ. Do you know spirits of darkness will speak to you? And they have already. You may not have noticed it. And they do it as angels of, as angels of light. They can give you warm fuzzies. But where they're leading you is away from the finished work of Christ. So as you exalt the ministry of Jesus, it enables you to hear the voice of Jesus. See? If you don't exalt the ministry of Jesus, if the ministry of Jesus is kind of over here in your life, you're going to have, tr- you're going to have a difficult time discerning his voice. We exalt the ministry of Jesus and we know the Holy Spirit will speak to us in line with that ministry because they're in unity. So let's look at Isaiah 26.3. So we're letting Jesus be the captain of our attention from today on now. We're making a decision. Jesus, you're the captain of my attention. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. This verse has helped me so much over the years. It's still transforming me. Isaiah 26.3, Jesus, the captain of our attention. You will keep him in shalom, shalom. It says it twice in the Hebrew. That's what we say in English. You know, the Bible wasn't written in English, right? So we try and capture that. We say perfect peace. That's good. Wholeness, right? You will keep in perfect health, wholeness, well-being, and prosperity whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's one of the ways you know you're trusting him. Your mind will be focused on him. When your mind's wandering all over the place, the trust isn't there. When you trust in him, you have a peace that's beyond your understanding. See? You'll keep him in perfect health, perfect wholeness, perfect well-being, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Look at the Amplified. You will guard him. I love that. God himself guarding me. God being my strong tower, my fortress. What if, when you walk through life knowing God is your fortress, you walk differently. You walk differently. You treat people differently. You'll guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you. Because he commits himself to you. He leans on you and hopes confidently in you. That's a wonderful breakfast right there. Get up tomorrow and have breakfast with that. You'll be so glad you did. Just eat that for about 20 minutes. I like how the message says it. Couldn't get any simpler than this. People with their minds set on you, you keep Completely whole. Wow. Jesus is the captain of our attention. Let's keep going. Proverbs 4, verse 20. I just like reading the Bible. It's full of life. It's living and powerful. It's quick and powerful. Would you receive healing this morning when we're reading the Bible? You can do that, you know. Done it many times. Just receive the living word of God as we're worshiping here. Just do it. You don't need anyone to lay hands on you. Just receive it. Let the healing life of God flow through every system of your body. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. 
sounds very important, doesn't it? Right? Remember, God's exalted his word above his name. Why is he instructing us to do this? Why is it such a priority to our heavenly father that his words dominate our thinking and our heart? Well, he tells us in the next scripture. Verse 22. For they are life. To who? Those who've made Jesus the captain of their attention. Those who find them. Those who've exalted them above all else. That's the only way you'll find them. Because if they're down here in the midst of the noise of the day, they're going to get clouded and mixed in with a bunch of other stuff. When you put them up here above the noise of this world, you begin to see things differently. Their life to those who find them. Boy, God knows where we live, doesn't he? And health to all their body. Remember in the Hebrew, that word health means the cure, the remedy, the medicine to all their body. We've just found the cure to every disease. How about that? Let's keep going. Let's look at Proverbs 3. His word's quick and powerful. It's the medicine. We're applying medicine right now to our bodies, to our souls. Hallelujah. Trust in the Lord. Boy, there's a faith going on here, isn't it, right? This, this is by faith. Look how, how much God talks about believing and trusting in faith. It's a part of love. It works. Faith works by love. Trust in the Lord with 100% of your heart. I love it. He's the only one worthy of that, right? And lean not, uh-oh, on your own understanding. Mm. In 100% of your ways, acknowledge him. What does acknowledge mean? That's not like a head nod like, yeah, I know you're there, God. No, it means know him. Confess him. Affirm him in all of your ways. And he will direct your paths. Now, if you've learned to walk with the Lord, to follow his voice in your life, you'll notice he will direct you differently. For example, there are times in your life when you have to make a decision. And the best that man comes up with is, well, make a list of all the positives, make a list of all the negatives, and if the positives outweigh the negatives, go with it, right? But you'll find if you listen to the voice of God, if you get to know his leading in your life, there are times when you make your list and the positives far outweigh the negatives and, 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 and God says no. Don't do it. And you don't know why. So that'd be a great thing. Look at all these benefits. And God says, wait, don't do it. And conversely, there are times when the negatives seem to far outweigh the positives. And if you use your five senses and your reasoning, your own understanding to make that decision, and God says, do it, go forward. Isn't it fun following God? It's so good. It's a great adventure. Was it Stephen Curtis Chapman back in the day? This is the great adventure. 
There's nothing like walking with him. Don't lean on your own understanding, but trust in him. It's so good. Verse 7, don't be wise in your own eyes. Oh, I like that. It's humbling following God, isn't it? It's humbling, and it's a good thing. It's real humility. Fear the Lord. Humbling, I mean this, that we realize we can't do anything apart from him, regardless of how experienced or educated we feel we are. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Develop an awesome reverence for him. And depart from evil. Look at the result of this. So what's the result of trusting in the Lord with all my heart, of not leaning on my own understanding, of knowing him and confessing him and affirming him in all my ways? What's the result? It will be healing to your body. Leaning on our own understanding oftentimes causes us great stress. It will be health to your flesh. This says, what translation do you have there, that New American Standard? It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. The King James says strength to your bones. Let's put the message up there. Do we have uh, verses 5 through 8 in the message? Let's go to five. I like this. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. <laughs> I like that. Don't try to figure everything on out, figure out everything on your own. You're right, you're right. Listen to God's voice in a few things every now and then. In just the medium-sized things. Just the great big things. Just the little thing. Everything. Everything you do. That includes the teeny tiny things, the medium-sized things, the large things, and the super-sized things. Right? In everything you do, everywhere you go. (laughs) Love it. He's an all-encompassing God, right? And he wants to fill every area of your life. Would you let him? Would you surrender to him? And let him do it? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm not holding on to anything else but you. Hallelujah. He's the one who will keep you on track. Verse 7, this is a good one. Don't assume that you know it all. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, it hurts sometimes reading the Bible, doesn't it? Ouch. Run to God. Run from evil. What's the result of doing this? Verse 8, your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. That's an excellent confession to speak over your body regularly. My body glows with health. My very bones vibrate with life. My body glows with health. Body, your very bones vibrate with life. Hallelujah. We're in the how to receive healing. Built Jesus tough. How to receive healing. So number one is you let Jesus be the captain of your attention. And then you you do that by meditating 
on his promises, on what he's accomplished for us through the cross and through his resurrection. And then you begin to speak it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. It's that simple. It's God's two-step formula for salvation. Soteria, wholeness. All right? You speak it with your mouth and you believe it in your heart. Now, we're going to get into this a little deeper in just a moment, but I'm going to start talking, I'm going to start speaking about saying things with your mouth and believing them with your heart. And I've seen in the last 27 years or so walking with the Lord, when people hear, some people hear messages like this, they'll automatically say, What is this, a cult? Is this positive thinking? Is this some kind of new age philosophy? And in so doing, people reveal their ignorance of the Scriptures. So there are Christians who are more familiar with the counterfeit than they are with the real. So they know the counterfeit, but they don't know the real. So when they hear the real, they put it in the counterfeit category, and they miss out. We're looking at Jesus, not New Age philosophy, not a cult. We're talking about the basics of the ministry of Jesus, all right? Are you ready? All right, Proverbs 18, 21. Didn't write this. Death and life. That's the full spectrum. That's A to Z, right there. Are in God's sovereign hands. Oh, didn't read it. Death and life are in what? The power of the tongue. Whose tongue? Yours. Whose death and life? Yours. This is Bible. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jesus illustrates this to us. Psalm 107, before we go there, let's look at Psalm 107, verse 2. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord use their tongue. Say it with their mouth. God's redeemed us, but we're not going to experience it until we say it with our mouth and believe it with our heart. Before we look at Jesus, let's go to Romans chapter 10. Faith speaks differently than the world speaks. Faith says things that the world balks at. Faith says things that people will make fun of you for. But faith in God is a different thing. It's a different way of living. If you're expecting others to pat you on, on the back for having faith in God, you might be waiting a long time. Chances are you'll be persecuted for it and criticized for it and even rejected for it. But God's better than man's approval, right? So faith speaks in a different way than the talking heads do in this world. Romans 10, verse 6 but the righteousness of faith, our righteousness is by faith, right? Speaks in this way. Don't say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? Jesus already rose from the dead. Faith isn't looking around for another solution. Right? Don't say that. Verse 7, or who will descend into the abyss? Who's going to pay the price for our sin? Jesus already did that. Faith's not looking around for another solution to my problem. Jesus is it. That's how faith speaks. But what does faith say in verse 8? Just like Jesus, the word 
is near you. It's in your mouth. And it's in your heart. What did Jesus say? The kingdom of God is within you. The Word of God is near you. The Word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. This is the Word of faith that we're preaching right now. Verse 9, that if you, not God, you, with your tongue, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Pay attention to this for a moment. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be sozo. Remember what that word means? When Jesus said to the woman in Mark 5, your faith has sozo, made you whole, saved you. You confess God's promises, the finished work of Christ with your mouth, and you believe it in your heart, you will be healed. That's what the verse says. Sorry, it's what it says. Study it out in the, in the original language. That's what it says. You will be healed. Now, why, why does it say the Lord Jesus? The Bible doesn't waste words. Why is it Lord? What does Lord mean? It's a term of authority, right? Your body needs to know whose authority it's under. Body, you are now under the authority of the Lord Jesus. Your body will act like a spoiled child if you don't bring it under his authority. It will throw fits. It will say, oh, I got an ache here again. Oh, I feel like this. And oh, and it's getting worse. And oh, I don't know. My mom had this and I had that. And your body will just whine and complain and try and dictate to you what your future is going to be like or what your present is going to be like. That's why you've got to say, no, you're under the authority of the Lord Jesus' body. We've been taken out from under the authority of the curse of sin, the authority of Satan. We've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Authority is essential to health. The authority of Jesus is essential to our health. The Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus. Body, you're under the authority of the Lord Jesus. For with the heart, verse 10, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto soteria, wholeness, healing. This is not a verse about going to heaven. I know religion has taken it and put it in that category. This is a verse about living on planet earth and experiencing God. That's what these verses are about. It's about experiencing the healing of power of the healing power of God today. Okay? Now let's look at Jesus. Jesus demonstrated this in his ministry. He spoke to fish. He spoke to storms. He spoke to demons. He spoke to sickness. He spoke to the fever that Peter's mother-in-law had. And he spoke to trees. This is my Jesus. This is the, the Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Let's look at Mark chapter 11. So here's a day in the life of the sovereign God planet earth walking in the flesh and he's walking along with his disciples and he gets hungry there are no 7-elevens in that part of israel so he goes over to a fig tree but there are no figs on it 
So what does he do? He curses the fig tree with his mouth. He says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the fig tree dies. It withers from the roots up. That's supernatural. And his disciples are amazed at what he just did. They watch their master speak to an inanimate object, a tree, and it responded to his voice. And they say to him, Master, the tree you've cursed is, is dead. And religion would have Jesus say, well, of course, I'm the son of God, dummy. Right? I can do that kind of thing. But Jesus doesn't say that. See, religion puts you way off, down, over, disqualifies you, and, and, and God is the only one who could ever do anything like this. But God lifts us up and brings us Amen. with him. Yes. He seated us at his right hand with Jesus, Amen. Ephesians. God's not insecure about you being lifted up. We're not talking about arrogance. We're talking about raising you up as he raised his son to be victorious over Satan. So Jesus responds to his disciples, and he says, have faith in God. If you want to study the Greek on that one, it says, have the faith of God. That's what it says. It's possessive. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. I'm so glad, Jesus, your truth, your way, you're the light. If anyone says to this mountain, oh, he upped it, didn't he? He just upped the game. He spoke to a tree. They're amazed at that. He said, don't stop there. If you speak to this mountain. In other words, there's no limit to what faith in God can do. With God, all things are possible. Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, what's he talking about prayer? Is he talking about lighting candles and getting on our knees? What did he just do? Let's keep this word prayer in context. Your religion will rob you of it. What is the context? He is speaking to something in his life. Prayer. No candles, no chapel. He's speaking to an everyday situation and circumstance. That's prayer. Prayer is speaking, taking authority over the situations and circumstances of your life in Him. Right? Whatever you speak, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. This is amazing. Seeing is not believing. There are different kinds of faith. There's a natural faith that comes through the five senses. But boy, that's undependable. Your senses will tell you one thing, and they're not very reliable. And Israel had that natural faith. I mean, can you imagine being rescued from the most powerful nation on earth, and God's leading you forward? You've got, you've got a sea in front of you. You've got the enemy behind you. It looks like God made a mistake. And all of a sudden, your leader lifts his hands up. The sea splits wide open, and you pass through it. You would think, man, that'd be enough for me to have faith the rest of my life. It wasn't long after that they're whining and complaining. Where is God? Why do we come out here? We're all going to die. What happened? Seeing is not believing. People saw Jesus and were offended by him. There's a, another kind of faith, and it's of the heart. And it has nothing to do with your five senses. It comes from faith in the promises of God. 
oftentimes your senses will contradict that faith. All right. I might as well give you my... I'll try and fit my testimony in here. And then we're going to do this and we're going to take communion. I'll just share with you a little bit about my life. Before I do, I want to say this. Don't, don't ever base what you believe on what happens to someone else. Positive or negative. So I'm going to share my testimony about this, me applying this in my life for the last 20 years. But that doesn't mean it's true because I've experienced it. It's true because Jesus said it. So sometimes Christians will put their faith in another person because that other person did it. Or conversely, they'll doubt because so-and-so didn't do it or something happened to so-and-so. You've got to be totally zeroed in on Jesus. This is not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. It's this total Jesus look. We're totally caught up in him. Not what happened to me, not what happened to you, but what he did for us on the cross, all right? So I grew up, and I'll try and do this quickly. I grew up, um, I started out as a baby, so forget. No, but I grew up in a medical family. Uh, Dad was a pharmacist. One of my siblings became a physician. We had access to, to everything we could have access to. I was a very, very sick child, very sick. Every time the wind shifted, it seemed like I'd be on my back, sick. And my dad took me to the best uh, people around. Uh, and, you know, I had a number of issues. One of them is, without warning, my bronchial tubes would just begin to, to, to inflame and fill with mucus and became very hard to breathe. And they couldn't figure out what's bringing this on. I don't even forget the name they had for it. It was longer than asthma, but it was, it was debilitating where I'd be on my back for a while. In fact, on a couple of occasions, maybe in elementary school, fifth or sixth grade, I was in the hospital one time for, for two weeks straight, hooked up to equipment, just to bring, keep, to get me back. And, and then another time, three weeks, just so I can function again. That's a long time to be in the hospital. And I dealt with this stuff, and then on top of that, allergies. And then when I was 17, I had a, a disc crack in my, my lower spine. And my dad took me to one of the NFL's top, highly recommended orthopedic specialists. And uh, down in Pittsburgh, and this guy was tops, and they, they did all the examinations and looked me over, and they say, you've got an abnormal disc in your lower spine, and it's cracked. And I want to tell you, I mean, I, it was like a, a laser shooting down the back of my leg, very hard to walk, very painful. And, uh, and they said, we, we don't want to, the only thing that we can do is really replace it with an artificial one. But we're hesitant to do that because of your age. So they, they sent me to a physical therapist after I could, you know, the, after laying for quite a while on my back. And, and that was good. I learned some things about the body, and I was thankful that I was a good therapist, uh, physical therapist. But then uh, years later, when I came to know Christ, and I began reading the book of John and through the Gospels, I saw something I never saw before. I saw this Jesus that healed. And I began to ask him. I say, Lord, you know, I didn't know what I'm sharing with you today, but I, I wanted to know him. So I began to talk to him about who he was, and I saw that he was a healer. And I, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I began, you know, saw spiritual gifts in my life, a lot of things I saw. And then I started meeting other Christians who had different views, and I went to different churches and heard different things. And after a few years, I started, well, hmm, what's going on here? I see the ministry of Jesus, but this pastor says that, you know, God uses sickness to teach you things. What should I believe? 
And that, I went back and forth, and I had received healing for things. But then things would come back. And it was about seven years after I had gotten, gave my life to Christ. So 89, I got saved, and about seven years later in 1996, by January of 96, my desire was to know him. And I really didn't care what the quality of my life was like because I just wanted to know him. If it was his will for me to be sick for the rest of my life, that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me get away from Jesus. I just, kept, I just couldn't get enough, just reading it, reading it, reading it. And something, uh, I began studying healing in the Scriptures for about four to six months intensely in 1996. And after about four to six months of studying Jesus, Hebrews chapter 1 was a great passage where it says he is the exact representation of God. It finally clicked inside of me that it is God's will for me to be whole. For me, it took time. I mean, I had my, I had my history. I just, I knew, I had my bag of stuff that I knew I should take when certain symptoms came on. I, and it took a while for me to change the way I thought. Everybody's different. Some people can do that in a day. It took me months of studying. But it wasn't to be healed. It was to know him. I wanted to know who he was, not who man says he was. And it clicked inside of me after about four to six months. And probably the next day or within that first week, after it clicked inside of me, I woke up the next morning and I felt like a freight train hit my chest. I was flat on my back and I felt horrible. My chest was hard to breathe, gasping. And I was in active duty at the time, so I couldn't call in sick. I had to go to the military hospital. They had to examine me and determine, uh, you know, what, what the course of action would be. It was all I could do just to put my uniform on. I didn't even shower. <laughs> and I made it. The military hospital was only a mile or two away. I made it there. They examined me. They said, you've got pneumonia. No warning sign. I was fine the day before. Just like, poof, out of nowhere. They, assigned, they wrote me a prescription of antibiotics for 10 days and, and assigned me to bed rest. So I made it back home, just laying on the bed, you know. But I was different now because I had been absorbing Jesus for the last four to six months. I knew this was not God. And I could stand up on the inside, because I was laying down on the outside. I could stand up on the inside and say no to this. I didn't have that confidence before. There was an uncertainty. You know, what if? I don't know. What, what if? It wasn't like that anymore. It was on a Wednesday. I remember because we had church Wednesday night. Jennifer went to church. I didn't. I stayed home. And I was in the Word all day, meditating on that Word. By the time she got home from church... I was probably about, I felt maybe about 5 to 10% better. Not much. But I was in the Word. With the stripes that wounded Jesus, I have been healed. God did it, and I am healed. With this, my five senses said absolutely the contrary. I felt horrible. I, I, I felt horrible, horrible, horrible. That next morning, I felt maybe 11% better. But I've been in the Word now for the past four to six months, and I was strong inside. You know what I did that next morning? I got up. It was summertime. Put my shorts on. I went out jogging. <laughs> Faith without corresponding actions is dead. When you know it, you begin to act on it. I knew it. My senses told me otherwise, but I knew it. 
because I'd been in it. And, and the Holy Spirit revealed it to me through the Word. I got back from that jog. I took a shower. I felt maybe 70% better now. This is the next day. So I put my uniform back on. I grabbed my prescription, went back to the military hospital, and, and they examined me, and, and they said, what happened to you? <laughs> I said, I don't need these. I, I, I'm fine. I received healing. And they said, well, how did that happen? They asked, so I, I told them. I said, well, I, I put my faith in Christ and, and received healing. And the guy just kind of looked at me. He said, I've heard of that before. That's what he said. <laughs> said okay. And I, I cleaned bill of health and back to work I went. To See? To now, Amen. I share that with you to encourage you. But the reason I share that with you is because people get the impression that, okay, if I have faith, boom, I'm going to be well all the time. Satan will challenge you. And now that was in 96, and there were a number of things I needed, and a number of systems in my body that needed to be repaired, including my spine. So I began to methodically speak the word of God to every system in my body. And over a period of time, I saw my systems growing stronger and stronger and stronger. And I can say without reservation, I'm stronger than I've ever been in my entire life today because of this. All right? Speaking it with your mouth and believing it in your heart, even when your five senses are screaming at you, telling you it's not so. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Isn't that what Jesus said? Have is past tense. Will is future tense. Right? It requires faith. Faith is being sure of what we can't detect with our five senses. It's deeper than what your skin can detect. It's deeper. It's a spiritual reality. All right, let's do this. Then we're going to have communion. All right? Hallelujah. So let's do this a little bit. Let's practice what we've just learned. Boy, I've got so many good scriptures here. Matthew 8, 17. And remember, we're not trying to have faith. Our faith is not in our ability to have faith. And this is what the enemy will do. He said, well, he did that. You know, he's a pastor, and, and he, but you, you can't. That's baloney. This is anyone who believes. I'm not some great person of faith. I'm not. I'm a child of God just like you. I chose to fix my attention on him in the midst of many opportunities to do otherwise. That's all you need to do. This is available to anyone through simple faith. And it works on anything, any system of your body. If you need a new body part, it works. He made the maimed whole. All right, so Matthew 8, 17. So here's what we do. What we see in the Scriptures, we study the Scriptures, we fix our eyes on Jesus, and then we say to our body, with the authority of Christ, body, he took your illnesses and carried your diseases, and with the stripes that wounded Jesus, you are healed. Let's say that. Ready? Body, he took your illnesses and bore your diseases, and with the stripes that wounded Jesus, you have been healed. Let's do it again. Body, he took your illnesses and bore your diseases, and with the stripes that wounded Jesus, you have been healed. I feel terrible. This stuff doesn't work. Don't listen. Don't listen to your body. You tell your body what to do. Body, he took your illnesses and he bore your diseases. And with the stripes that wounded Jesus, you have been healed. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 30, 
uh, 53.5. Say this to your body. Body, he was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful for you to obtain peace and well-being was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, you are healed and made whole. Let's take communion right now, Brother Dennis and Joe. Let's get ready for communion. This is a different way of living. Boy, does it work. Hallelujah. But you've got to know it's His will, and then you've got to fill yourself up to overflowing with Him. The devil doesn't play games. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. Now, this is amazing. Have you ever noticed that communion consists of two elements? Right? Juice and bread or wine and bread. Well, what's the, what's the wine represent? The juice. The blood of Jesus, right? What's the blood of Jesus for? What's the, what's the word say? Right? Forgiveness of sins, right? In order for sins to be remitted, there has to be a shedding of blood. Well, what's the purpose of this then? More forgiveness? No. The blood is for forgiveness. What's the bread for? His body. What's the body for? Healing. It's not forgiveness and more forgiveness. It's forgiveness and healing. It's a covenant of forgiveness and healing. You see that, okay? In fact, Paul talks about uh, failing to discern the body of Christ which this symbolizes. And as a result, many are asleep or dying and are sick because they fail to realize God has given us a covenant of forgiveness and healing, that the blood is for forgiveness, the body is for healing. So we're going to partake of this. Let's do this. Let's stand up. If you want to come down front, you can come down front. If you want to receive healing in your body, boy, you can just do it right now. Why wait? Hallelujah. You can come down front if you'd like. If you need healing in your body, you can come on down. And we're going to receive it right now. We're going to take God at His word. Just come on down. If you'd like to receive healing, come on down. Hallelujah. Now, all of our attention's on Jesus. This is not some magic formula. This is not hocus pocus. This is the risen Messiah who did it for you. All right? So as we partake of these symbols, which remind us of what he did for us, we're going to receive. We're going to believe that we have received it. Okay? Father, we come before you now. We hold this little cup of juice and this little wafer of bread in our hands as symbols to remind us of the new covenant that you ratified with the blood and body of your Son. Lord, we thank you that we've been forgiven of every sin. Not only that, but our sins have been fully remitted and wiped out through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, we rejoice in you now. And, sir, we we say thank you for wiping out our sins forever. And we drink this in celebration to what you've done through your son. 
In his name we drink. Amen. Let's drink. Now that's forgiveness, right? We've received that. We're forgiven. That means you're justified before God. Yeah. Okay. That means you're justified. There's no condemnation for you. Don't let the devil condemn you and make you think that, that you can't have this or he'll try and disqualify you. Don't let him do it. All right? So we're justified. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us. Every sin. All right? Now we've got the body. This little wafer reminds us of the body. Father, we realize that you crushed your son. You put our punishment upon him. You let those stripes tear apart his body. But our body would be whole. The chastisement needful for our wholeness was put upon him. And we celebrate that with the stripes that wounded Jesus, we have been healed. We're receiving it right now, Lord, as we eat this wafer. We're going to let your life flow from our spirits into every system of our bodies. We eat this in celebration to the finished work of Christ. And thank you for it, Father. In his name, amen. Let's eat. Now, as you're eating that, I want you to just uh, put your mind on Jesus. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of you. Let the Holy Spirit give life to your mortal body. We thank you for the resurrection life of Christ flowing from our spirits into every cell of our body, into every tissue of our body. Every tissue. Every tissue. Thank you for cells being restored right now. For tissues being restored right now. Our attention's on Jesus. Tissues being restored right now. For organs being restored right now. Receive it. Just receive it. This is who He is. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our physician. And He's alive and well. And He's here in our midst. Thank you for organs being restored right now. Thank you for full systems being restored right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for strong, healthy digestive systems. Right now, we've received it. Thank you for strong, healthy respiratory systems. Right now, we've received it. Thank you for strong, healthy circulatory systems. Right now, clear veins and arteries where the blood is flowing freely to and from the heart. A strong, healthy heart that beats regularly in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for it. Thank you for strong, healthy muscular systems, Lord God, and tendons and ligaments. Thank you, Lord God, for strong, healthy skeletal systems, for strong, healthy joints and bones and cartilage, Lord. Thank you for strong, healthy discs in our back. 
Thank you for new knees and new hips and new shoulders and a new neck, Father. Thank you, Lord God, for bodies that radiate with your health and life. Our bodies glow with health. Our very bones vibrate with life. And we thank you for it. Just praise him for it right now. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it right now. You did it, Jesus. You did it. You did it. You did it. And we give you praise. We thank you for it, Jesus. You did it. And we bless your name. You did it. It is finished. And we thank you for it. Thank you for it. Hallelujah. If there's a part of your body that you couldn't move before, start moving it. Just start doing it. Just start doing it. Start doing it. Thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. You did it. And we give you praise for it. Thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, what the enemy will do, if you're new at this, he'll come in right away and say, oh, did you receive it? Hey, look, you're, you're, come on. This is silly. Isn't it silly? This is silly, right? He'll try and talk you out of it. But remember, faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you don't see. Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Don't let the devil steal the healing that you just received this morning. You walk in it. You declare it. You refuse to let it go. Body, you're under the authority of Jesus Christ from today forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Awesome. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.